Hey, what's up? Mr. Bill here. Uh, before you listen to this episode, I just wanted to talk a little bit. Uh, so for starters, Garden Sound, I want to introduce him a little bit and tell you how, how I know him. So I basically met this guy in 2016 when he came to a show that I was playing in Atlanta and he was currently doing his 365 project, which is essentially a project where he uh, made a video and a song every day on YouTube for a year. So 365 days, which is fucking insane to me. And one of the videos he wanted to make was a podcast with me on one of the days. Uh, so when I played the show in Atlanta, he came to a bar, he interviewed me and that's how I met him. And ever since we've been really good friends i find him to be a really interesting and nice dude uh and i just find his uh way of life about he's he's a very diy guy like you know when he has an issue with his car he just fixes it or figures out how to fix it when he has an issue with his house he'll like build whatever he needs to to fix that um you know he's really he, he when he got into the youtube thing he just figured out video editing when he you know got into ableton and stuff he just figured out production i find his way of just like getting into things and just figuring it out really uh, admirable and cool so uh yeah i just wanted to introduce him and and give you a bit of backstory as to why i find this guy interesting and and that would you know perhaps preface the conversation a little better for you <clears throat> uh the second thing i wanted to mention is patreon we're imminently launching a patreon page for support for the podcast uh as far as i know at the time of this episode launching it won't actually be available for you to go to but it will be available shortly after and as soon as it is i'll make sure to make social media posts about it so go follow me on social media and i'll make sure to mention it in the bumper of whatever podcast it is available on and then you will know at that time you can go to patreon uh give us some money and that will really help uh us get these episodes uh more highly produced and allow me to spend a bit more time uh dedicating to the to the podcast if that's something you enjoy then maybe consider uh donating when it's possible to uh the next thing is discord if you want to suggest future guests to come on the episode or you want to ask guests questions discord is the best place to do it there's two channels in there one's called future guest suggestions and the other one is called questions for guests uh, if you go into both of those channels on my discord and type in them i read them all the time and that is the best place to get that information to me so if you want to gear the podcast if it's something you enjoy to be something that you would enjoy more with certain guests and certain questions asked on the podcast that's the place to go do it uh, the next thing is mrbillstunes.com. This is a website I've been running for about a decade. And basically it's full of courses. There's like thousands and thousands of hours of videos there. Uh, if you go there and sign up and become a hardcore Abletoneer, I guarantee you, you'll become a better producer. And I'm not just saying that to be like some shilly asshole. I, I really do believe that if you sign up there, you'll become a far better producer. So having said all that, uh, enjoy the episode and I will see you later. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're 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 sick man well yeah thanks for coming on the podcast again i appreciate it anytime dude I had a great time last time some people were uh excited to hear that i'd be back on and so nice. i'm uh i'm pretty i'm pretty fucking stoked fuck yeah yeah um this is actually the first time i've ever done two consecutive podcasts like back to back without a break so i just did one with slink 
um, from like 3 p.m. until about 5 p.m. And now we just basically started our one directly after. Oh, shit. Do you, do you want a break? <laughs> no, I'm good. I, I want to see how Joe Rogan feels. Dude, that, right. guy, that guy does three fucking three-hour podcasts some days. Some days he Jeez. talks for nine hours, man. A lot of talking. So much talking. It's crazy. It's just like how, I mean, yeah, how can you just be that into talking to people? I don't do you know. reckon? Do you reckon if Joe Rogan didn't have a podcast, he'd just be like that annoying old man who just won't shut the fuck up and just will like talk your ear off all day? He seems like a pretty chatty person in general. Like, uh, judging from the way he does like his stand up, like he's constantly saying something or moving from bit to bit. Like, he doesn't seem like he kind of sits still. You know, like I don't think Joe Rogan can. <laughs> I, I he says he meditates like he practices that. I'd like to see it. <laughs> he just like tries meditating for two seconds and he's just like oh. <laughs> yeah that was the longest I've ever sat still for oh man I gotta go hunt something <laughs> <laughs> that's what like, yeah that's that's what Joe does when you leave him alone for two minutes he's just like gets antsy and needs to hunt a thing yeah he's like oh man sitting still is far too beta I'm, I don't feel alpha enough I have to go kill something <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah, it's, I, I, just, I just find it hard to stay mentally stimulated for that many hours a day. Like I can mentally stimulate with music for like, I don't know, three, four hours max. And that's like without taking a break, like very focused in Ableton work. And after like three or four hours of that, I'm just like, fuck this. Yeah, I feel you, man. There's uh, There's something to be said about like really focusing on one task for an entire day, which I've... I've only been, uh, I've only done that a few times in my life. <laughs> like, like, okay, there's one job I'm going to do all day. And, uh, when we did the art of Mr. Bill four, that was one of those times where I was like, okay, we're going to focus on just this for a few days. Oh yeah, man. So for people who, who are listening, <coughs> Russell, Hey dude, this dog is <laughs> Russell. Oh my God. He's at the window growling at the mailman i'm pretty sure you gotta you gotta use your best american accent listen here russell <laughs> russell <laughs> russell get off of the window <laughs> get off my sill bro <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um how was i talking about <clears throat> damn russell <laughs> yeah broke my train of thought uh what were we talking uh, about well, already missed bill four Oh yeah, for people who don't know, you were the editor and filmer of that series. And dude, I don't think people understand how much of a slog it is to 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 make a series that that's that produced. I mean, it's like a thirteen-hour series, which is as long as like a Netflix series, right? Yeah. Um, but it's I don't know. You have to film them all, so it takes thirteen hours to film it all, at least. Yeah. And then. And then- editing the it editing all. was insane <laughs> yeah i mean we, we went in on the editing and then i had to watch all of them yeah and that's another 13 hours um and then i had to give notes for all of them so it's really like 26 hours because it takes about two hours per episode to to watch it thoroughly and give notes and then you had to do re-edits with those notes yep. um which is another i don't know fuck at least 10 hours of work yep. and then we were finally ready to go with releasing yep. it so it's like all up, like, fuck, like a couple of, I don't know, like a hundred hours of work maybe, like yeah. for two two people, so two hundred hours of work, yeah, to make the Artemis to build season four, which you can get on my website if you're listening and you want to learn Ableton. 
go download it so Bill and I can make volume five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should do that soon for sure. I'm, oh, I think I'm, yeah, I think I'm ready to do it again because um, I've learned a lot since last time. Yeah, me too. We're going to use real video cameras this time and not just a couple of DSLRs I hacked together. <laughs> True. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it'd be sick. Uh, when this coronavirus it, shit is over. There was something pretty punk about the setup, though. Like, I mean, for the quality we got out of it, like, I feel like, I feel like we maxed out that, that, uh, uh, skill tree, you know what I mean? For with DSLRs and lighting and shit, like that's the, that's the best we could do with like what you can find on Amazon. Um, for sure. I mean, I think the only way that you could like have made a better series using the gear and and all of that that we had, yeah, would would be to just do more After Effects stuff probably and do more like animations and cutaways right. and transitions and all of that kind of stuff. Like that, that probably would have raised the production quality a little more, but. I mean, all of that sort of stuff, it's like maybe here and there when you're trying to explain a concept, like a little animation or something like that can be useful to to explain a concept, right? Like like people do in YouTube videos all the time, but YouTube videos are only like three minutes long. So um, it's not really like you can't do that for a whole 13 hour series. Yeah, um, no, no. But I, I think a lot of that stuff is kind of, um, I don't know, it's sort of, it's sort of like, uh, I don't, I don't know if like flamboyant is the word, but it's, it's a little too much for like what I think a tutorial series like that even needs. Agreed. There was something I wanted to do that we didn't do that I think would have raised the production value. We kind of did this. So all the promo for it was like those joke promos, you know, like all the funny bits that we clipped out and like made made like right. a 15, 30 second promo. Yeah. Yeah. What I really wanted to do was like take inside jokes and turn them into fake commercials. You know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, right. Okay. Like, like what's, a, if we're, what's an example? Like um, uh, retent. I'm, I'm anal retentive. I don't like retent in my anus and like turn it into like a cereal or something like introducing retent flakes and like just make a whole commercial. It's like a joke. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. It put because those in like the middle of the episode. Like, there's like, <laughs> a commercial break in the middle of every episode, and it's a fake commercial about a joke. That'd be pretty funny, actually. We we can still do that stuff. So, um, uh, do you know Duncan Trussell? Yeah, I do. So he just released this um this series on Netflix called Mid the Midnight Gospel, and basically what they did is they took sections or segments of his podcasts that he's already recorded even recorded a long time ago um, with people. And then they've sort of recorded little bits of audio in between these segments of podcasts to tie it in, to make it like a 20 minute episode story and then animate it over the top of it. Huh? Yeah. It's really sick. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. It's very cool um, how they did it. So the animators were like just given carte blanche to, like make an animation that made sense to the pre-existing content yeah so it's like uh, we're having a conversation now right about this um imagine if an animator then just took this conversation and just animated over the top of it for 20 minutes to try that's great make it make sense as a story but the other thing they did is also were like oh this isn't i can tell what they did was kind of did that to begin with probably and then they were like oh this isn't quiet telling a story so we just need you to come in and say like these two words here and maybe this one sentence here just to sort of like tie segments of the conversation together or whatever to make the episode flow as a story a bit better got it got it okay 
I thought it was an interesting idea. It's like pretty forward thinking and innovative to just be like, oh yeah, let's take conversations that have already existed and repurpose that content for a for a TV show. Yeah, it's a pretty good idea. Yeah. I'll have to go check that out. Netflix, huh? Uh, yeah, it's on the old, that, that old Netflix thing. <laughs> old old netty boy. All right. Dude, did you see Airbnb has pivoted into a app or website that is now selling streamable shows? What? Yeah, so you know how Airbnb was a company that basically um, sold parts of your house or a whole house. So it basically like was a hotel service, but using oh, yeah, people's... No, I'm, I'm familiar with what Airbnb is, but they, but I guess since the coronavirus thing, they, you're, you're no longer just letting strangers into your house. So I guess that's not exactly. working for them. So now what are they doing? Uh, so now they're selling streamable shows. So Jan sent me a link last night. She was like, oh, we should totally watch this. It's 20 bucks per person. And there's a limit of 10 people at a time who can do it. And it's they're selling it through Airbnb. And you sit on basically a video call with a magician and he does tricks like to a webcam. Like, oh, here, guess this card. And like all the 10 people on the Zoom call or whatever are like, oh, you know, this card. <laughs> oh, shit. It's like a private show. Yeah, exactly. And I guess they do it through like Zoom or some shit. But yeah, they're, they're like selling tickets to the shows through Airbnb. That's like huh. what, what they've pivoted to as a company, I guess, to make money through the coronavirus thing. That's pretty nuts. I wonder if the cam girls have gotten a hold of that yet. Well, they've all got OnlyFans or Chatterbait or whatever. That's right. There's already services for that. Yeah. I don't, uh, yeah. And Airbnb, I think like if they pivoted to that, there's like no going back to being Airbnb again <laughs> after the coronavirus. <laughs> no, you guys did tits. That's what you do now. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you guys are tits BNB. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that's what they're doing now. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. I wonder what, I wonder what like, uh, hotels in general are doing. You know what I mean? Like, nobody's staying in hotels right now. Uh, there's been a mandate, or not a mandate, but like, uh, I think laws have been put in place temporarily in California for hotels to be used as hospitals if they need to at the moment. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard about that. I don't know if any hotels are actually being used as hospitals, but I think they're allowed to be, according to the governor, if they deem necessary to be or want them to be or something yeah i'm gonna go ahead after we're done with this podcast and uh buy uh hotels that used to be hospitals.com just in case it's <laughs> <laughs> a good idea yeah sell the uh sell that url post coronavirus just want to make and, sure that uh i've got that in case someone wants to make that website <laughs> <laughs> nice um so i've been watching your instagram stories lately and it looks like you're pretty into woodwork and metalwork at the moment. Yes, correct. I, uh, I'm, I'm making some things for some people that uh, involve metalworking and, and woodworking when I'm not uh, out there doing like a contract or something. Um, I got two major projects for right now, at least. One's a table, nice, uh, like a kitchen table, and another one is a uh, rack, but that, that one's me. I, I contracted myself on that one. Um, I just wanted to see if I could do it. I had this idea for a rack that has uh, a section for Euro rack or modular devices, and also uh, 19-inch standard. So you could, you know, you could you could rack your sick Neve gear and your fucking nasty compressors like right next to your Euro rack with a patch base, so you can kind of go between the two. 
Oh, that's um, interesting. Okay, so it's like um, uh, yeah, like the two U sort of general standard rack gear. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. Cool, man. That sounds pretty sick. Yeah, I've I've never welded something that complex before. Like, there's there's really weird angles. Like, normally, if you're doing uh, I don't know, any standard dimensional framework, you're probably gonna deal with a miter of forty five or 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 something common like that, like fifteen thirty five. Those are kind of common angles for different projects. But I've got like weird angles in this rack because I wanted the slant to be exactly um thirty thirty degrees. So mm. I've got like uh, it actually ended up being thirty three and a half. So I've got one angle in this uh in this uh <laughs> in this design that's sixty six point six degrees, which is kind of metal. And mm. uh and uh I uh, had to get my saw rigged up to actually cut that because it won't do anything more severe than a forty five degree angle. So I had to like add a half cut of another angle and then sort of cut it and then finish it off with an angle grinder. And that was hair raisingly <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> but I did it. <laughs> Damn. It's crazy that you got into all this stuff. What was the precursor for just hard pivoting from everyday YouTubing and music production to metalwork and woodwork? Um, so about a year ago, I was doing pretty well as a video editor and also doing some production work um, for a couple of local artists. Um, and just out of nowhere, like just all the work dried up. And I had a couple of months that were real bummer months. And my you know, the kid was like four months away at that point, and I was like, I've got to find something else to do to make money. Right. Um, and I've always been pretty scrappy. Like, I've had corporate jobs before, and I've had like, um, you know, jobs at restaurants, and I've I've held jobs before. But I, after I quit my last, um, you know, nine to five, there really wasn't like any going back. Like, I didn't want to work for somebody again. Um, so I started to think about what I do that could be profitable and and I've always been sort of a fix it handyman type because you know being a video editor especially freelance you don't really have a lot of money um to give people to fix your shit so I've always just been fixing my own shit and it was actually my dad's idea he was like yo you could make a lot of money fixing other people's shit so I started to offer that as a service to people I knew like some friends and family um, and that started to pay pretty well. So then I, you know, incorporated and started advertising. Um, so now I actually, I own, uh, I own a company called easy peasy pro. Um, and I do all sorts of shit for people from everything from installing a ceiling fan to, um, fixing a deck to, um, you know, building a fucking table. Like it doesn't, doesn't really matter. Like whatever you want me to do, I can do it. And that, that that's kind of my, my selling point for people. Like I'm a, I'm a vertically integrated handyman. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. <clears throat> how do you generally like market that kind of work? I wouldn't even know where to begin if I was like, oh, I have a skill like that, that I want to sell to people. Like how, how do you go about like, how, how, yeah, how do you get work? I guess. I, I learned a lot of this working at a prop studio, which is, we talked about this on the last podcast. That prop studio is pretty much almost shut down because of the Corona thing. Mm -hmm. So I haven't been working there in about two months. Um, and I'm not even sure if they're still doing work right now, but I learned all the marketing skills, um, and things like home advisor, which is a, uh, they're, they're an advertising company basically where you can, you can sign up with them and they'll advertise your services to their networks. Um, so that's, they're kind of, actually, they're kind of like a, uh, they're kind of like a label for contractors and handymen. Um, so 
I do have a home advisor account. They sell me a good a good amount of work, um, and I pay them for leads, like a small fee. So people will basically go on HomeAdvisor.com, which this is not an ad for HomeAdvisor. I actually have a lot of thoughts about why I don't like it, but um, they they'll go on HomeAdvisor and say, "Oh, I need somebody to fix my deck," and they'll say, "Okay, well, there's ten people in your area that have selected that as a skill they can they can provide," and then they'll look at the average reviews of all the people on HomeAdvisor, um, and mine's. Uh, I think mine's like 4.98 stars. Like I have like just one one percentage shy of like a five star rating. Damn. Um, so I get a lot of calls, and yeah, I do right. my best to be nice to people, and they give me five stars. Damn. Yeah. Um, who are who are these people at the moment who are letting handymen come over to their house during a pandemic and fix their shit? Um, it's not as it's it's not as close contact as you'd think. It's actually pretty safe. Like, uh, I will tell homeowners when I come over. You know, I do. I, I do respect social distancing. I, I do not want you to come within six feet of me. And, you know, I, I you know, all this stuff is up front. Um, and then when I get to the home, uh, they'll typically, you know, give me space. I'm, I'm always wearing my mask. Like I've got a, I've got a nice, um, you know, breather cause I do welding work. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I've got a sick mask and, uh, I'm talking to them about the job and then I say, okay, well, uh, I'd like to do this when you're not home, which is like kind of a hard pitch to tell somebody like, Hey, let me in your house when you're not here. <laughs> right yeah. you, you know uh and they'll they'll normally say okay and and, and that that goes a long way so I, I i'm typically doing work for people when they're not even there um, oh, okay cool yeah and and it's it's because i've got that you know business license the insurance the bond and everything to guarantee that whatever could go wrong i can repay you for it um and uh i'm gonna do this one thing you asked me to do i'm gonna do it the right way and then i'm gonna leave and you get to pay me and transaction over it's very simple. Right. <laughs> nice. Well, that's yeah. cool that, that that job is working out during this time. Yeah. It's it's actually I'm actually getting more business now. And I think it's because people are all at home looking at all the shit that they need to fix. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I have actually like just done generally a lot of cleaning around the house since I've been at home all the time because I'm just always like Oh man, you know that like one thing that's just sitting there that's just been like pissing me off all the time or this one area in the house that's just disgusting and I never yeah. go there because it's gross. I've like cleaned out all those areas now. Oh yeah. Dude, for the first like week or two that things hit and I did I did actually have a bit of a slowdown for about two weeks. Um, and <laughs> I think that's because people were trying to do the work that they later hired me to clean up and fix. <laughs> right, <laughs> you okay. know, a lot of my jobs I've been getting are like half finished projects where I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and uh, for those first two weeks, all I did was clean out my house, and I actually cleaned out my entire garage and built a legitimate shop in the garage, um, which is sick. And I got to tell you, man, it used to take me like an hour or two to change my oil because I didn't know where any of my fucking tools were. But after organizing my entire garage, I changed my air filter, my oil filter, my oil, cleaned my mass airflow sensor, and fucking like changed a couple of vacuum hoses. It took me 30 minutes just because I knew where all my fucking tools were. Damn. Yeah, so that, that's one thing that I really respect about you and, and I respect it, um, like I was just talking to Slink as well, he's kind of the same way, is you guys are both like super DIY <clears throat> about like just fixing your own shit and doing your own thing and it's one thing that I'm pretty bad at that I should probably try and work on. Um, one thing I've noticed during quarantine is a lot of people, at least in San Francisco, are getting into baking, um, like making their own bread and making bagels and croissants and stuff like that. Uh, and I've, I've, I've found that to be pretty interesting that when people have a lot of time, they get a lot more DIY with things. Um, 
Dude, some I'm of the pretty, shit that Jan's posted that she's baking, I just I want to fly across the country and just have some. I know I'm not supposed to, but you know that's what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, her croissants are fucking so good. They look sick. They're, yeah, they're really good. Um, I'm so bad. I think at just being like, oh, here's I have a problem. Let me just like throw money at it. Like if I have an issue with my like I don't have a car anymore since moving to San Francisco, but um when I used to have issues with my car, it could be any problem. Like my air conditioner in the car is broken or like there's one little gadget on my doors fucked or like the air power windows aren't working or like, I don't know, it's making a weird noise. I would just be like, Oh, time to go to the mechanic and like get a service and get all this shit fixed. I would never like even think to watch YouTube videos to figure out how to do that stuff by myself. Do you think that's because you think about it in terms of, ah, that'll take too long? Or do you look at the problem and go, ah, it's too much for me to handle? Um, it's, it's a little of, uh, that's something I could never understand because it's like too complicated and I would need to go to school for like years to learn that task. Yeah. Uh, and a little bit of, I don't have the things necessary to do it. And just like that, my skill set is just not at all up to scratch for that, that kind of work. And a little bit of like, well, if this problem costs me a thousand dollars to fix, but takes me a week, right? Like a week of learning and a week of doing the work and all of that kind of stuff. Is that really worth a thousand dollars to me? Or is it more worth a thousand dollars to me to be in the studio? Cause I can make a lot more sometimes depending on the week and depending on the work I'm doing in one week. So. Perfect. They see, and that's, th- th- there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think that mindset is any greater than or less than like, because if guys like you didn't exist, I'd have nothing to fix. <laughs> and I love That's to fix things. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> right, right, yeah. Yeah, I guess you're saying it's sort of like a um, an ecosystem where, like, you know, some people like to do X and Y and Z. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's like in an ideal world, right? Like, everyone would just get to be what they wanted to be and right. and just do their thing, which is sick. I mean, it seems like that's what you've done. You've figured out a thing that you really enjoy doing that you can capitalize on. Yeah, I didn't I didn't ever think I was going to enjoy anything as much as video editing or writing music and then I started like working with my hands and building a couple of huge like structures and stuff out of like wood or metal and I was like, "Oh, this is fucking excellent." Like, I don't know. There's just something about it where it's like I stand back from like when I first got that rack welded together and all the angles were correct and I was just looking at it and I was like, "Fuck yeah." Like, it I don't know, it just felt great. So there's this act in Melbourne called Circuit Bent and one of the guys in Circuit Bent, his name is Eli. And he was like super into music for the longest time and he was really talented, really fucking good at it. And then one day he just got into welding and now he just welds. Yeah. Yep. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome, man. You just fucking like you're creating a sun like that. That's how much ultraviolet light that little tiny pin prick of light points off. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like you can get a sunburn if you're not wearing long sleeves and and pants when you're welding. Um, Damn. It's awesome, man. It's like you're arcing electricity. You're doing what you're not supposed to do with electricity, with electricity. Right. And it's so yeah, hot yeah. that it's melting metal together and fusing it and turning it into one piece of metal. Yeah, it's insane. That's yeah. kind of like... um. Next time you're here, you're going to try it. I got my machine in the garage. You're going to totally try it. Oh, uh, yeah. I've never welded. I would love to have a go at welding. Fuck yeah, dude. It's like if you can use a glue gun, you can use a MIG welder. And everybody listening who's like, TIG is better. You're right. You are correct. You're not wrong. It's just a lot faster to use a MIG welder. All right? We see each yeah. other now. <laughs> you'll just come out to your car the next day there'll just be like a big stick of metal welded to your bonnet <laughs> yeah and then like sharpie on the side tig is better stupid <laughs> 
yeah, I would love to. I, so my dad was into all this shit, right? Like he, he was into welding and he was a mechanic and stuff like that. So I was sort of around this stuff as a kid, but yeah, I never really got to mess with any of it. Yeah, I don't think I would have done it if I didn't have to do it. And I don't think I'd be doing it now if I didn't enjoy it to some degree. You know, it goes back to the shower beer mentality. I do like to get hot and sweaty and work out and, you know, fucking at the end of the day, kind of look at what I've done with my hands and be like, all right, that's pretty cool. I can go to bed now. Like shower beer. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Shower beer. I'm still, I'm still the fucking king of the shower beer, man. (laughs) How do you be the king of the shower beer? Well, that's very simple. You just have to sit on your throne in the shower with a beer. Wait, you have a seat in the shower? Yeah, I made it. (laughs) You made a seat to sit on in the shower and drink a beer. Yeah, I actually I made it for my wife's thirty no, twenty ninth birthday. Um it's a it's made out of cypress and cedar. Um and it's uh, it's actually a pretty cool design and uh we sealed it with paste wax, me and my neighbor, and we it's 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 sick. It's a shower bench. Did you look him straight in the eyes and be like, My bare ass is gonna touch this paste wax? Yeah, and 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 probably my wife will touch my penis while I'm doing that too. So like yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's kind of, you know, some implied activities that happen with a shower bench i don't think he's surprised about it <laughs> yeah you you know shit's getting serious when you're paste waxing a shower bench yeah gotta seal it good <laughs> um <clears throat> so how's the child thing going oh my god she is uh dude so today um she's got a tooth like she didn't have any teeth but now she's got one and uh, it's kind of late. Like we were kind of worried. Like maybe she'd be one of those kids that just doesn't have teeth, which which is a thing. Um, what really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like some some people are born and just never get teeth. Correct. And uh, or some people are born like without certain teeth. Um, I actually I had a girlfriend once who didn't have canine teeth at all. They were hmm. they were uh, <clears throat> they were they were like a like a retainer. Like she could pop them in and out. That was like the sharp teeth. Yeah. Huh. She just never had them. <laughs> so she, so she had a plate that had those teeth attached to it that she could put in and out. Yeah, you totally could not tell. Like it, it was it was absolutely seamless. Like dental techs. I have a friend who's a dental tech. <laughs> and and their job is to build those plates. Yeah, so they like envision what her mouth would look like with those teeth and then they make that happen. And it's like it's like prosthesis, you know. Huh. So they yeah, crazy. And do you think how how different do you think um building those kind of things are to your job of building things? Like do, do you use this is there any crossover in use of software? Like do they also just use sort of CAD software or Oh, totally. I mean, it's it would be no different than making props. Just the LOD would be a lot more strict like instead of instead of like uh level of detail instead of like, you know, a 6-inch LOD, which is what you have for a prop or a 6-foot LOD, which is like painting a wall. Um, you would, you'd have like really tight tolerances for what's okay and what's not okay. Like, like hand painting models kind of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I got to imagine if something's like a millimeter off, it's just not going to fit in someone's mouth. Right. Right. Because people are so focused on symmetry with, the, with faces. Like mm-hmm. you, you can tell almost instantly if something's off about somebody's face because that's just the way our brains are programmed. So I, right. I imagine it would be intensely, um, strict about, you know, tolerance for, uh, being off and that sort of thing. Mm. Other than that, like how how's being a dad going? Oh yeah, we were talking about uh, she got a tooth, and we got started talking about dental techs. Oops. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, no, she's she's great. Um, and she's just she's she's a kid, like she's a baby. Like I, there's, there's nothing really to say about it, right? Like she's cute as fuck. She is a baby, and she's got one tooth, and great, you know. Like I, <laughs> like like kids don't really do anything, you know. 
Like, I love her to death, but she's not really doing anything earth-shattering or changing the world in any way whatsoever. Uh, she's <laughs> making noises, and she's learning some sign language. That's pretty cool. But I feel like a lot of kids these days learn sign language, you know? Like, that's a thing. Where it's like, Wait, right. who's who's teaching us sign language? Me and Caroline. You both know sign language? Caroline knows sign language because of her job. Um, and she's taught me a great amount of it. And I've picked some up just like being around her and her friends. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm not like fluent in ASL, but I, I know I know a good number of signs. Huh. Yeah. Cool. Who taught her like um, eat and more and up so she can tell us when she wants to be picked up. And she knows how to say all done. And she knows diaper. It's in, she learns more and more as, as she, the, the more she learns them, the easier it becomes for her to learn another one because she's like, oh, I see, the, I see the benefit of knowing that sign. I get things when I do that sign. So I should learn more of this. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> I can only imagine what it's like being a parent. I mean, I remember like I've raised a cat, right? Like a YouTube, I raised, um, not to like compare cats to humans, but no, I got you. Um, um, yeah, I raised YouTube from the time she was like one or two days old, basically. Like I had, I've had her from like literally day one of being a cat. And I just remember like watching her learn all the new shit and she learned it pretty quick because she's a cat. But like, for instance, like she couldn't even walk when we got her and then like seeing her learn to walk was kind of sick and seeing her learn to like go to the litter box was kind of sick. And then like now watching her, she's super trained and can like jump to different surfaces in the room really easily and is like really athletically inclined and i don't know it's like really cool seeing the progression yeah man so here's a good example of something like that uh the first time we were trying to get her to use a spoon right so she was four months old i think i could be wrong caroline will correct me if i'm wrong um so let's pretend she's four months old and she's trying to use a spoon we're trying to feed her like some oats you know it's like solid foods like her first solid foods you know and uh so we got we got her to sit down in her, her high chair and we got a spoon out and we were all pumped up about it and you know, I got some got some breast milk, put it in the oats and stirred it up real good and kinda of heated it up a little bit, you know, like put way too much effort into this. <laughs> and like got the bowl over to Marigold and we, we got the spoon and I said, All right and I, I took the spoon and I held it up and she it occurred to me that she had no fucking idea what a spoon is at all. <laughs> like she'd never seen a spoon in her goddamn life. Like ever, literally. And so she's just looking at the spoon like, uh, and so I, so I get it closer to her face and she does that thing that babies do where they kind of open their mouth, like to explore things like that's how they explore things. They put things in their mouth. So popped it in her mouth when she had like her mouth open, you know, just gave her the spoon and, uh, and then, and then she was like, just sat there and looked at me while the shit just dribbled out of her mouth because she doesn't know how to eat. Like she doesn't know how to eat. Like she knows what a spoon is to not eat. It, and Caroline and I just, we laughed for several minutes. I, I don't know. Maybe it's one of those you had to be there moments. But like, dude, now I can hand her like a cooked sweet potato and she'll sit there and eat the whole motherfucking thing. Like, like just a difference of a couple of months and she can just, you know, take a sweet potato and she knows what it is. And she's like, this is my favorite food. And she just shoves the whole thing in her face and eats it. It's awesome. How, how long does it take for a baby to eat an entire sweet potato? My baby's kind of a mutant because I'm tall, so she eats a sweet potato in roughly 10 minutes. Like, just just demolishes it, destroys a sweet potato. There's sweet potato everywhere when she's done. Most of it's in her stomach. Like, skin and all? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> um, so you wanted to talk about upcoming stuff. Uh, you were telling me you're doing some stuff like ambiences and more Whitey McWhiteson and a project called Bird Rider and then another project called Min Max. Yes. 
Um, uh, yeah, let's talk about that stuff. I think I'm suffering from having too many things going at once, and so nothing's coming out. Like, I've been working on a couple of these projects now for at least a year. Um, the one I'm most excited about, I think, is Min Max, which is a collaboration between me and um, a guy that I uh, shared a lot of classes with in college. We're, we're both composition majors, and uh, that one's going to be dope. I'm, I'm super stoked about that one. Um, it's basically like we created this album uh, in isolation. So every time we work on it, like we unplug our computers from the internet, like we like pretty much social distancing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and, and we've had like uh, seven sessions at this point. Like we'll, we'll literally like rent a house at the beach or something like during the off season. So there's nobody there. There's nothing to do. There's nowhere to go. And we'll just like force ourselves into a creative, um, fit and just like write music for a solid week and right uh, it's like so that 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 album has been super cool and interesting because it it sort of definitely has sort of definitely (laughs) has its own sound and character um that i'm i'm stoked to let people listen to yeah nice that's that's yeah cool process i've definitely been interested in um doing similar things before like turning internet off and just working and and disconnecting a little bit i don't do that enough i was actually talking about this with slink earlier as well Is like i'm pretty bad while i'm writing music at also being on the internet like checking emails and checking social media at the same time as writing music um and it's hard for me to tell like how actually bad that is or or if it's good even but it's definitely um, disruptive and it's definitely slow. It definitely slows my music writing process down and it, it'll, it makes it harder to get in the zone for sure. It makes it harder to get to that point where time sort of just disappears whilst you're writing. Cause you're like not allowing yourself to get to that point. You keep sort of get diving into the surface level of like what that feeling is. And then just like straight up kicking yourself straight out of that mindset by going back to social media and emails every five minutes or whatever. So that's cool. Yeah cool that you're uh, having like these mechanisms in place i guess to to defeat that at least yeah we're trying to foster that like we have two or three tracks on this album which is about 16 tracks long at this point um we're debating whether or not to break it into three eps or, or leave it as one giant album but there's several songs that came out of that like you've told me about this before like some of your best tracks will just be the ones where you wrote them in a day more or less like the majority of the writing process at least happened in like one session you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, we, we've got several of those. Like, m- I think more so than, than any other album I've ever produced. And I, I would mm. attribute that to the fact that we were, like, getting ourselves in that zone. And you know what's funny? They normally happen on, like, the third or fourth day of these, like, breaks, right? Because it takes us, like, a couple of days to wind down and, like, not tr- not look at our phones and not do the thing. Like, on on the third or fourth day, almost like clockwork, John and I will both get up and I'll make breakfast for everybody because I like to cook. So I'll get us both like a nice breakfast and then John will sit down and start working on something and just without exception, we'll just spit out like an entire song. And it's normally pretty dope. Like, Damn. yeah, but it's just because like our bodies at that point are expecting, I'm going to get up, I'm going to have nothing to do but write music and it's fucking go time. Yeah, nice. So when you um go to these like uh, retreat type places or like, you know, beach houses or whatever, are you traveling there with like speakers and your computer and everything? Yeah. And it's normally like very suboptimal settings too. Like the rooms will just be boomy as shit. And so like there's several 
tracks where I've had to like kind of mix them down back in my studio, but there's elements of it that I've left in. Like, dude, here's a good example. So there's one track, again, one of the ones we kind of spit out, um, that there's this refrigerator in the house we were renting um, that would make this sound. Like it would go, like it was like, like an old man was like groaning. Like it was the weirdest noise, dude. And so we, we recorded that with the mic uh one day and like so that like there's a couple of sounds even from these like houses where we would pull the atmosphere of the of the shit into it but we, like we traveled with my computer from home and john's monitors and my synthesizers and john's like midi keyboard and we kind of cobble it all together um so like the first day is normally just like us throwing gear together and then like fucking around with the new synthesizer that john has or the new modular thing that i have or whatever yeah nice it's kind of fun i mean it's not kind of fun it's very fun right yeah and quite often um are you just finding these places that you're renting on like airbnb or is it like one like a relative's property or something uh last time we got super lucky um my uncle is uh is a real estate guy so he's he had a house that we were able to um use for for a week uh which is awesome uh because i did not have a lot of money at that time (laughs) so that's awesome rental wasn't really a an option but we we uh we made it work man Shout out to Uncle Todd. Love you. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a good investment to um, even if you are Airbnb a spot out for like a few days just to work or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's not that expensive. I mean, and, and especially like, like if anybody wants to try this, I will make a recommendation. Rent a house that is fucking vanilla. Just the least interesting place. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So like just cut everything else off except for uh doing something creative yeah so i have a few thoughts about it um i've thought about doing this before uh one of my thoughts is maybe i just need to like fix the problems that i'm having with writing music myself like maybe it's not an environmental thing where me changing my location uh and environment is gonna fix it like maybe it's just something i need to just fucking turn my internet off and do And the other feeling that I have about it is like, this is literally how every horror film starts. Like (laughs) an artist goes out to the forest to rent a place by themselves and uh, write music and finish their book. And next minute they're getting fucking murdered by something. Fucking Jason Voorhees just launches through the screen door with a machete. He's like, fuck your modular and kills everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's the 2020 version. It's like a... (laughs) Instead of um, them going to write a book, they're going out there with their Euro rack. And- <laughs> yeah, man. I'd like to see that. It'd be funny. Jason Voorhees is like tweaking the knobs. You know what I'm saying? He's like a sick DJ all of a sudden. He just like takes a big swing at you with a machete and instead hits your mother 32 and you're like, not the mother 32. <laughs> and it just goes, Bruh. he's like, bro, sick sample. But then he goes ahead and kills everybody anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sick. Um, speaking of Eurorack and stuff, uh, you wanted to talk about hardware versus plugins, right? Yeah, I just wanted to reopen that discussion. I don't know when the last time you had that discussion on this podcast was, but I mean, I have it. I've had this discussion with so many people all the time, and my answer is always the same. It's they're not the same. They're different, and neither is better. And yeah. both are better at different things, or both do different things differently. Yeah. And if you can get your hands on both, you'll have a good time. Yeah. I wanted to throw into the bucket of opinions that um, 
I've found greater success with understanding software after owning corresponding hardware um, mm. or playing with corresponding hardware. And I'm not sure if it's because I'm combining like learning with a tactile thing, right? Like there's, an, there's a real knob and there's a real reason for things and I can actually try it out in real time versus like seeing it in software. Like for instance, compression. Like I get that now more that I have a physical compressor to dick around with. Like, you know what I'm saying? I could like pluck in my bass and pluck in my guitars and a microphone or whatever and uh, like play around with the settings. Uh, I know I could do the exact same thing with a compressor in Ableton, but for some reason it engaged my brain more when I was able to do it with a physical hardware piece. Um, yeah, I feel that. I mean, <clears throat> I definitely think doing things in different ways with, with hardware and software and stuff un unlocks your brain in different ways. For instance... I think the biggest thing that I ever got out of hardware was not the sound of it or anything like that. It was thinking about modulation in different ways and thinking about, um, yeah, m mainly thinking about modulation in different ways, like thinking about clocking and envelopes and function generators and chaos sequences and um, like pendulum sequences and, and stuff like that is something that you don't really see a lot in the software world, stuff like Euclidean, uh, sequences and stuff like that, like things like voltage clock, you know, like um, you you just don't see a lot of that that type of sequencing in the in the software realm. And I guess the reason why is because you have like the piano roll and you you already have the session BPM set to whatever it's going to be, and you can't have multiple session B BPMs in most DAWs, right? Um, stuff like that. So I guess you're sort of limited that way in in software, but also it's it just makes sense to have everything set up that way in software. But yeah, so I guess hardware opens a lot of possibilities in, in the realm of modulation in these really sort of weird, creative, interesting ways that you would never really think about in software. And, that, and that's the main thing I got out of it. And now when I go back to software, I think of like routing and stuff very differently. So I think that's the main benefit that I got from using hardware. Yeah, my experience is similar. And uh, I would also like to add that I started using automation envelopes far more um, after I started experimenting with uh, modular. Like, I, I didn't do as much. Well, I did some automation, you know what I'm saying? But, like, I didn't do as much as I do now. Like, now my project is, like, chock full of it, kind of on almost everything. Uh, just you know every knob has got something on it and that comes from just having like a mess of wires and being like oh i can do this with software i just have to copy and paste it you know what i mean like it's i don't get as much randomness out of it but that's what i took from it was like oh i can do a lot of that stuff in ableton i never thought about that beforehand i mean for some reason yeah yeah i feel that um like I said at the like my first statement in regards to hardware versus plugins, I think if you can use both, that's the best of both worlds. I don't think there needs to be this weird exclusive conversation that people seem to like to have about like which one is better and why you should use either. It's like you get these sort of old school mentality people. They're like, hardware compressors are better. I'll only ever use hardware. It's like, great. So you can never write music on an airplane. Good work, you fucking idiot. And it's like... <laughs> Or it's like you can you can write music on an airplane, I guess, but you can never compress a signal whilst writing music on an airplane or a train or sitting on your friend's couch or sitting in a green room or being on a tour bus. So good luck ever fucking touring and writing music. Right. Like so there's that there's that argument which I think is stupid. And then um 
there's the other argument of like which one sounds better and it's just so clear to me that neither sounds better I mean obviously nothing in music can be chalked down to sounding better right like there's always going to be one guy who's like well I like noise music <laughs> um, or you know there's always going to be somebody who's like well I like the most wrong sounding chord ever and they're like yeah good one you're like the biggest jazz musician ever or like um, you know there's always going to be somebody who's like well I like distorting all of my drums this much and so there's there's a lot of subjectivity to what sounds good and I love a lot of music that sounds incredibly digital like I really love say somebody like Ben Doom his music sounds crazy digital or like um you know people on a lot of people on beleagle beats like primo and gator and blanket dragon like their stuff just sounds full-blown digital and i think it sounds great honestly yeah. but um but then there's a lot of stuff made with hardware that i also think sounds really good like richard divine's awesome or the flashbulb it's really awesome and those guys use a lot of hardware including you know in the flashbulb's case a lot of live instruments like guitar and piano and stuff like that so I think like this uh, one is better than the other and it's a me versus you thing and I'm going to use this and I, I'm going to use this because it's better and I'm an elitist and all of this shit is like, I, I just think it's a really silly way to approach. Uh, so, I mean, black and white thinking like that, I think is a pretty silly way to approach anything, but specifically in music it's like a really silly way to approach it because you're just such a limiting belief system for what you can do creatively yeah and then there's also liars right like well uh yeah that's another thing right is um like buyer's remorse if somebody spends like five thousand dollars on a compressor yeah. that's probably gonna um impart some sort of subconscious judgment on their decision and then even if they don't think that it sounds better they're probably just going to tell you that it does because they spent $5,000 and they don't want to have that buyer's remorse or whatever. Yeah, and then and then there's also people who just lie. Like, I've this is something that's been fucking with me lately when I've been trying to develop an opinion. I've been like, oh, you know what? There's also a lot of people who just fucking lie. Like, they're everywhere. Like, like liars. Like, I mean, think about it, Bill. Like, so, so let, let's, let's Wait, pretend... But, but are they lying to you or are they just lying to themselves, you mean? It doesn't matter. They just lie. There's people okay. who just lie, dude. Like, because the the instance that I was talking about is people lying to themselves. Oh, sure, lying to themselves, lying to others. There's contrarians. Like, there's all sorts of liars. They're all types of liars. Um, right, right, yeah, gotcha. But like, I, I don't know. So like, with the whole coronavirus thing, like we've been, we've been, me and my wife have been thinking about like, okay, what's the risk factor for me going to Lowe's or whatever? Like, I'm I'm constantly like having to address that in my life, mm -hmm. and and what I come keep coming back to. That isn't making me careless or more risk-seeking, but it does influence my decision-making with this and with a lot of things lately is there's going to be people who just don't follow the rules or there's going to be people who just fucking lie, who've had it and are just like, no, nah, I didn't have it. Dude, I mean, this is... Um, so I also was talking about this with Slink earlier. I'm in, an, uh, in a poly relationship, right? Yeah. Um, and therefore uh, having sex with other parties requires us to like check for std testing right um and it's the same thing as like uh, what i've noticed is it's just a glaringly obscene amount of people out there who just don't know the status of their sexual health but are willing to have unprotected sex with people right it's fucking insane yeah and um, I, I i'm willing to bet that that is more or less the rule and not the exception like like right. when it comes to like just human nature i think there are more liars than people who tell the truth 
Well, yeah, and I think it comes down to um, people in in instances like this with COVID and STDs and stuff like that. I think what it comes down to is people don't want to tell the truth because it puts them at risk of being um, perceived as uh, unfavorable. You know what I mean? Or um, ostracized. Like, no, uh, what is it? like undesirable? You know, especially like with the STD thing. If you tell somebody like I have an STD, you instantly are way more undesirable as a sexual partner, right? Sure. Um, and with COVID, if you tell someone I've got COVID, I mean, of course you're 100% undesirable as somebody who anyone would want to spend any time with until you don't have it, right? Right. Um, so I think like a lot of it comes comes from that as well. Like people are scared of of being undesirable. Yeah. Ugh. Big ugh, <laughs> massive ugh. Um, yeah. So, so you think there's people out there who've tested positive for COVID who are just like fuck it and just go to Lowe's? Absolutely. <laughs> really? Yeah, of course. There's shitty people everywhere. Oh my god, dude! This is gonna go back to like the conversation we had last time where I was like, things just break. And you're like, things go wrong. I'm like, things go wrong constantly. I just maybe I'm a pessimist, Bill. I have no idea. Like, but I just think that they're like. People are constantly breaking the rules somewhere. Like there, there's something is going wrong. Something is breaking. Somebody's lying. Somebody's doing things they shouldn't be doing all the time. Like all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. I never really, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think about it, but yeah, you might be right. There might be someone out there who got tested is asymptomatic, but ha- know that they have it. So they're a vector for it. And are just like, fuck it. And just like, just live their life without a mask and just go everywhere as normal. Cause they're not feeling symptoms or whatever. Oh, absolutely, dude. And it's it's the age of what you feel is the truth. And it's the age of what is the truth. And it's like, dude, our governor in Georgia, for instance, didn't know or at least claims not to have known that you can be asymptomatic and still have it. Like, so if the person who's in charge of the fucking state I live in is that level of, of ignorant, then I have no doubt in my mind that there is a common person in this state who is either that ignorant or more so. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, fuck, I wonder. Yeah, how how are people this not clued into it at this point of like the the pandemic? Like, I'm sure surely you've looked at the internet once in this amount of time and watched a video or read an article or something, right? I really don't know, and I've thought about this a lot because I'm. I have to I have to face it. You know what I mean? Like, I I thought okay maybe it's access, maybe it's access to information. Like that's a thing. You know, like some people don't have access to information, but I I know plenty of people who are less privileged than me who are more clued in. So right. if okay, so that's not it. So maybe it's maybe it's uh what, what was my other what was my other thought on this? Maybe maybe it's just uh like like a, a political thing, right? Maybe maybe the right trying to downplay it so that they can make the left look like a bunch of fanatical idiots right but then i know plenty of people that i'm friends with who lean right who are taking a lot of precaution even in my community and i I just i don't know man like i just don't know you can hear the exasperation in my voice i don't understand what the problem is and i and if i did i'd try to fucking help you know yeah well, I think like all anyone can do at this time is uh, help in their own way by 
social distancing, quarantining inside as much as possible, wearing a mask when they go out, all, all those kind of things, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the idea and that's how we, <laughs> obviously until testing or a vaccine is available, it's all we can really do. That is the thing to do. Yeah. Right. All right. Um, I want to talk about one more thing before we wrap it. Uh, I wanted to talk about the fact that you have a script running on your Twitter that deletes your tweets after 30 days. <laughs> all right. <laughs> what about it? I have a script on my Twitter that deletes all of my tweets after 30 days. Uh, yeah. So I'm interested in why and then, yeah. And uh, also how you managed to set that up. It's called Tweet Delete. It's a very, very easy bot to set up. Um, and uh, I've got it running because I don't really want my potty thoughts from 30 days ago to be on the internet in two years. You know what I'm saying? Like, I normally tweet when I'm taking a shit, and I do that three times a day. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, the scattershot of, of ideas that you can have three times a day, 365 days a year, there's going to be a whole lot of bad ideas or, like, maybe some hot takes that you don't want on the internet in, in, in a year or two. And I just, you know, it's just like, it kind of gives me some more freedom where I'm like, ah, you know what? This will be gone in 30 days. Right. Imagine if Datsik had that. I wonder how much lesson, lessened his blow would be if he had tweet delete set up. Because a big part of, like, his c- case, right, like, Right. Obviously, he was like outed as a rapist and right. a fucking disgusting pig of a human being. And uh, a lot of the shit that people dug up on him was like tweets from a long time ago. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm curious if he had that running, how much huh. that would have saved or not saved him. I'm, and just for the record, I'm glad he did not have that running. And I'm, and I'm glad <laughs> that he's like, yeah, out of the picture. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, part. I'm not uh, fucking advertising tweet delete for people who would be rapists. I just think it's uh, neat. And uh, I, I originally set it up, and I still, it still is one of my greatest fears that. Um, I'll just get like, you know, dragged in front of the court of public opinion and taken for some statement I made a long time ago out of context. Like that's just kind of a fear I have. It's irrational at this point, I think. But yeah, so it's, so it's kind of a response to cancel culture. Yeah, I, I really do believe it's an irrational fear, uh, f- especially for me. I just don't have that many enemies and I try my best to be a decent human. Um, uh, yeah, honestly, I think um, getting canceled you either it's an irrational fear if you're a decent human being um even though there is decent human beings out there getting canceled but for the most part people getting canceled are not decent human beings they're they're for the most part fucking rapey dudes right like that that seems to be the most part of people who are getting canceled i mean there's obviously every now and then you see somebody say something online that's a hot take and it'll get blown out of proportion. But usually those people are like very high profile people with a shitload of followers who are just saying yeah. dumb ass shit like Donald Trump or something. I mean, if anyone is the most cancelable person of all time, it's him, right? Right. And let's let's see how it goes with the election. I think it's like really crazy that it, we're even like having a discussion about a second term with him. I, I think it's inevitable. Really? Because of uh, because Joe Biden is such a sort of bad counter candidate no and i i big sigh here i i think trump just knows how to run i don't I, I think he just knows how to run a popular campaign better than like fucking so far the people have tried i i don't i don't see the democrats winning as much as i want him to I, I just i don't see it happening yeah that's a good point i mean he did come from like uh reality tv so yeah 
maybe it's, he does have like some skill set there that's helping him. Yeah, it's the age of spin. I mean, he's always been just like an agent of spin. Like he's he's just excellent at spinning things. It's right. Did it's, you see his uh his tweet a few days ago about how the only reason America's coronavirus numbers are higher than any other country is because our testing is so good? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that kind of thing. That that's exactly the type of spin that he's just kind of legendary at, man. Uh, it's because it, yeah, there's forty forty some odd percent of the population who's like, yeah, that makes sense. And you're like, okay. Uh, at this point, I'm I'm so fucking tired of you like thinking about it, man. Yeah, whatever. Too. For sure. <clears throat> All right, man. Well, um, we can't end on probably... that. We cannot end on that fucking downer of a note, bro. <laughs> It's not right, good. All right. all right, what do you want to end on? Right, we got to think of some sort of a joke. We got to do something. We got to do something funny. Yeah, here's a good... Uh, let's talk about this. Um, do you think if you were like gun to head, I was like, Gardner, you're not allowed to do metal work anymore. <laughs> you need to be a stand-up comedian. Like, you ha- like, it literally is a life or death. Like, you have to be a stand-up comedian now. You don't have a choice in the matter. I'm making you be a stand-up comedian now. <laughs> um, do you think that's a job you could do? And like, how would you approach it? Yeah, I think I could do it. I don't think I'd be really good at it at first, but I don't think anybody's really good at anything at first. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd love to try it. I've always, I've actually fantasized about trying it. You know, like just getting up on stage one time with a couple of bits that I've prepared and just seeing what fucking happens. You know what I'm saying? Get it out of my system. I've always thought about I'd, that. Yeah, I'd love to do it too. I, I don't think I'm like uh, as good at talking as I should be to do it. And I, and I think I think I have like pretty funny thoughts sometimes. Um, like the other day I had this thought about uh, this whole pandemic happening and like some doctor being really good at his job, but he'd rather like spend his time making dick pills <laughs> rather than like <laughs> fixing the coronavirus problem. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so he's like, he's, his heart's really in dick pills, but he, <laughs> he's being forced to like make people get well or something. Yeah, yeah, they're, and they're like trying to get in touch with this guy, like, hey man, we're trying to like, you know, make the make the antivirus thing happen, and he's like, oh, I'm close to a fucking breakthrough. <laughs> I've just fucking isolated this chemical that'll make your erection last for 10 hours without pain. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's great, dude. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think I have funny thoughts sometimes that um, I could use for bits, but I've always thought like, what would the process be like for for taking a thought that you have like that and then breaking it down into a bit, and then how do you like practice it? I guess a lot of stand up comedians they really just practice it by getting in front of people and actually doing it, right? I had a I had a funny idea the other day when I was uh, working on some guy's roof. Um, the, the the bit would basically be like this roofer who just like constantly has to go to the bathroom. Like every time he gets on the roof, he gets nervous about being up high and he has to shit. So then he has to go down the ladder, but he like shits halfway down the ladder and there's just shit everywhere when he tries to do roofing. He's like uh, yes. the world's worst roofer, but he's just constantly shitting himself because he's on top of a roof. <laughs> I like that both of our jokes are just dick and shit jokes. Dude, that's all I'm thinking about these days is shit, man. My kid shits all the time. I shit all the time. It's just nothing but shit. <laughs> <laughs> the world's going to shit politics is shit it's just shit everywhere bro for sure alright well that's a pretty good note to end on I think yeah agreed All right, we buddy. ended on shit <laughs> that's awesome thanks for having I'm me on again man. I really enjoy this 
of course man yeah I'd, I'd love to have you on again in the future as well fucking sick i'll bring billy idol on next time <laughs> fuck yeah dude all right thank you for listening to the mr bill podcast thank you for listening to the mr bill podcast